From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 635. Is it time for Server 2019? With guest, Jason Helmick. Recorded Thursday, April 4th, 2019. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, go to soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back one of my favorites today, Jason Helmick, who's a 30-year IT veteran, although next year he'll be a 31-year and uh, an author and learning specialist at Pluralsight. He's an avid supporter of the DevOps and PowerShell community and the former CFO of PowerShell.org and the PowerShell DevOps Global Summit. He's also a cloud and data center management MVP. Jason focuses on automation and configuration management for DevOps and has co-authored several books on PowerShell, Microsoft Exchange, IIS, and related discussions in the Microsoft Virtual Academy. Although the Virtual Academy is gone now, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? It it is gone, and that kind of breaks my heart yeah. in a lot of ways. But at the same time, got to make room for new folks, right? Well, and there's, they just Microsoft had too many different products in that space, right? When they acquired LinkedIn, they got Linda, which is a huge repertoire of work. You're obviously involved with Pluralsight. And then there's also all that Channel 9 stuff, too. Like, how many video studios do you need? Well, that's true. And I, I, one of the things I've never figured out is I'm not, I don't know if they're actually doing anything really with lynda.com. Quite honestly, um, I think Pluralsight spends, I mean, we spend more time doing stuff for Microsoft than just about anybody. And we're, we're more than happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's an interesting conflict of interest when that acquisition came down, but they've basically run LinkedIn as its own separate subsidiary. It's never really been merged into Microsoft in any yeah, way. Yeah. From what I hear, they, they keep their hands off of it. And that, yeah. that may actually be probably the best thing for them to do. But, yeah. um, I mean, I'll miss the virtual academy, obviously, cause not, you know, cause I had stuff on it, but I thought it was a, Initially, at the time, it was a great platform Absolutely. to get started with. But you're right. It, it, times have changed, and they have so many offerings that it, it does make sense. That and all the doc stuff's extraordinary. Like, there's still more to come, I'm sure. I made some stuff in, in MVA as well, and uh, oh, well, what can you do? Hey, i got to read a comment <laughs> off of a different show before we get dive in. This is actually from, oh, five, yeah. from 575. This is a show I did with Josh Duffney. We were talking about debugging PowerShell. And I know you're a PowerShell guy, so I just wanted to bring this up. This is from Bobbert Barnacles. And I don't know that it's his real name, but I'm just going to go with it. Hey, Bobbert. Uh, he says, I continue to love this podcast. The whole mentality behind accepting yourself as a developer, uh, which is something we talked about on the show, that you're writing code when you're writing PowerShell and this increasing sophistication right. in PowerShell. It seems to be this odd, unnecessary rite of passage that IT admins have jumped up for themselves, myself included. It's much better to admit that you're an IT developer, and with that being the case, you should adhere to the strong coding and debugging practices that any other developer would adhere to. And that, I think we also dug into the fact that you want your PowerShell scripts to be source managed, right? That you can maintain versions that they can be shared. They, there's all these practices that work so well with PowerShell because it is a coding platform. Right. And, I, and I'm... I love this. We're getting to a place with IT folks where it's no longer scripts in your pocket or on your USB key, that there's scripts checked in and managed as part of the organization that all of these admins can use. You know, you know what's funny is I, I can't believe that 
And and who did you say said this? This is Bobbert Barnacles. Okay, I think I'll I'll try to believe the name as well. Okay. I'm almost in tears over this. <laughs> 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 because I just can't believe that. I mean, for years now, we've been saying to IT guys, look, I know you just want to throw your scripts out to a folder somewhere right. and you talk about trying to manage it and all that, but you're a developer. Yeah. It should be in a real process. Don't disrespect your work by not respecting it just like a developer would. Why sure. would you treat your work any less valuable by using source control and, and putting it through, you know, if you've got uh, DevOps, you got a pipeline, why would you disrespect your work? Um, and, you know, so respect yourself, respect your work, make sure you're doing the very best you can at looking at the patterns and practices that developers around you are using. Maybe not everything you need right now, sure. but at least become aware of it. I, I, I just, I, I am so glad that some that there are people out there that are starting to think that way. I have to admit, I do. If I'm talking to a hardcore developer, sure, I do. Ha I do say I am an IT developer. Yeah. Uh, that way, they know that okay, you know about development. You're probably not up to my level as far as patterns, practices, frameworks, that kind of thing. But at least we have a common language, and that's what I'm really trying to get to is is we need to have a common language, no more that siloed language between IT and dev. And so I'm inspired by that comment. I hope everybody starts that's, that's, that's writing, especially PowerShell code, starts respecting their code by putting it in source control and treating it just like you are a developer. Treat yourself with respect like one. Absolutely. And and you care about testing and you care about source management. You you write your script differently when you know other people are going to run it and need to understand what happens. So you're putting in more validation of parameters and explanatory error messages. Like your scripts get bigger because they need to be sustainable. Uh, and that's a, those are all good things. Those are all great things. And you remember, you know, when, when PowerShell came alive, we were, we were trying to figure out how to, how to manage users in Active Directory. So it was all about putting together short scripts that had some workable technology. Well, right. we've gone way beyond that now. Yeah. And we, like you just said, we're writing big, longer stuff. And it needs all of that experience that we've learned from the development environments of how to manage all of that. So. Yeah, it's not a bunch of little batch files anymore that we fire off. This Absolutely. is this is stuff that's got to operate, automate. It operates in the cloud. It's got to be sustainable. So yeah, get used to treating it with respect right now. I'm just really excited to hear that sure. there are people actually talking that way. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Bobbert, thank you so much for your comment. A Run As Radio mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Run As Radio mug, write a comment on the website at runasradio.com or on any of the social medias. I publish every show to Facebook and to LinkedIn. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, I'll send you a Run As Radio mug. Have I sent you one yet, Jason? You know what? I do have a run as radio yeah. mug and it's one of those, I've got these show mugs right. and it's one of my show mugs in my cabinet. I don't actually use uh, it for coffee because I risk breaking it. <laughs> well, I have been known to replace a broken mug now and again, because people do say I uh -huh. used it and I broke it and I miss it. I'm like, yeah, let me see what I could do for you. <laughs> now that I have the inside track. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, dude, like, you know what that makes that mug even better? Large quantities of caffeine. Cause it's a big mug. There you Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm, and again with Bobbert, like I'm glad that inspires you around PowerShell because I am seeing that conversation. By that way, that conversation is a year old now. That that show with uh, with Joff Duffney, that's a year ago. 
Well, I, I am glad that the industry, you know, I, I spent a lot of time working with guys that are pretty far down their road. They're mostly cloud engineers, right. uh, cloud architects. And so you get a little bit jaded that, you know, everybody is pretty far down that development path and they use one of several languages and PowerShell happens to be one of them, but it's not the only one sure. that, that a lot of us work with. But still, it's, it's, that's still a small audience though. And so it's great to be reminded and whether it's a year old, two years old, that kind of thing, that the, the right intent and the right effort will pay off down the road. And that is the right intent and the right effort. Well, and it's great to see a bit of an ecosystem starting to grow around it too, with testing harnesses like Pester. And yeah, there's that whole, that whole conversation about source control. I have this idea for a book and I goodness knows when I'm going to write it because I'm working on the history of .NET right now, but it's the book of when to throw a party when you're an IT org. And the day that really? IT comes to you and says, hey, I think we need some source control for your scripts. Like when you ask dev for help in how to set up source control management, that's a day to have a party. Like that's a really good day. That is a day to have a party. Yeah. I totally agree with you. That is something that, you, first of all, if you were the person that went to the, de the dev team to talk about setting up source control, you need to pat yourself on the back. <laughs> you just crossed a major boundary yes. that people do not cross. Um, and, and And kudos to you and please keep it up because- I've learned a lot by working with developers over the years, and I look forward to learning a lot more. And they've learned some stuff from me occasionally, mm. but, you know, it, it's a two-way street, and it really pays off. And, and it, yeah, it has a lot, awful lot of power. I, and I, I didn't intend to talk a lot about PowerShell on this show, because it seems like things have gone kind of quiet for PowerShell, right? It, since PowerShell 6, well, like, we haven't really seen a PowerShell 7. And, you know, I I, I was uh, speaking at Ignite, and I got a chance to see uh, uh, Hamant and Joey from the PowerShell team talk about the new features of PowerShell 6.1, and they did a fantastic show. And I'm a PowerShell geek, so, of course, all of that stuff excites me. But as I'm sitting there, I'm realizing the same thing that I've realized, well, for several years now, we're pretty much done. I mean, I, I mean, we've been done with this really since PowerShell version three. Some people would argue PowerShell version four when it came out with DSC really kind of matched the manifesto that Jeffrey Snover put together. But whether it's version three or version four, let's face it, linguistically, we're pretty much done. We're right. adding new technology features to match new technology that's been invented, or they're adding in some new commandlet features to solve somebody else's problem this way or that. But for the most part, I mean, it's like, how often do we need to modify the C-sharp language or how it, it, it's gone quiet simply because it works as it was advertised. And we assume everybody's using it, right? You're either using, uh, what, uh, Honolulu now to, to manage your servers graphically, which is a great tool, or you're using PowerShell to manage and scale. And that's kind of the assumption. So, I, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff going on with it. Did you of really use a code name to identify a product? You called it Honolulu. It's Windows Admin Center. I, oh, thank you for smacking me in the head over that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I used a code word Such an that. insider. He calls it Honolulu. How I many know, people even know believe. that? Well, well, I have... Usually, I just throw the word out because I'm waiting for people to start throwing things at me right. and punching me because <laughs> I say a GUI and they're like, a oh, GUI? Who are you again? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You're the PowerShell guy. There couldn't possibly be a GUI in your life. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> you know, but a lot of people at the same time, they, they're like, okay, well, PowerShell's done. I guess it's not exciting anymore. No, that's just it. It's so super exciting because I can imagine going through a day, especially working in the cloud, 
and not writing stuff in PowerShell and not writing stuff in JSON and not doing all of this. Right. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, they invented a wheel and the wheel works. Let's let's go. Yeah. Just because if we haven't made any improvements on the wheel lately or made another version of the wheel doesn't mean it isn't great. Yeah, that doesn't mean that it's not great. And it doesn't mean that they're not adding features to it to support all the new technologies. It just means, okay, there's not a huge amount of fanfare. Now, I'm sure the PowerShell team wishes that, you know, there was a huge amount of fanfare, like the old days when they would release a new version. But guys, this kind of ties into my thinking on server 2019. Right. You know, they've been given us good products for a long time, but they've also started, you know, they changed how they were developing and how they were releasing. They went to an agile form on this. We've been, we don't have to wait five years for a product anymore. We're getting it every few months. Yeah. And so the excitement level for a version release, yeah, that's dropped down a lot because we've already been using those features inside of our office already. But the excitement that it works and that it's solving our problems, that excitement shouldn't go away. That should even encourage us to keep going further with it. And PowerShell, I think, is the epitome of that example that, yes, predominantly, we're pretty much done with this puppy, but that doesn't mean we're not going to go forward and it doesn't mean it's not going to be exciting because it's solving all of the problems that we need solved. I wonder if being open source has really helped this, right? Like, the fact that PowerShell is open source and you can, you know, build your own if you really want to. I don't know why you'd want to. But seeing that communication and being interactive with how the stuff's being built, it almost allows you to to stop building new versions just for the sake of building new versions. It's not like Microsoft's selling PowerShell, right? It's open source. They give it away. But, you know, I think it's a place where where code can live that's right. Rather than it has to be, you know, as long as it's closed source and it's an internal product and or you're selling it, if you don't ship a version every year, people call it dead. But it's open. It's a right, exactly, and that's. I think we got to get over that, yeah, right? I that think this if you is don't a different ship model. It, it's dead now. This is not true. That's not true. Yeah, and you know, I'm curious about how you think uh, of, uh, about this because, uh, as you were just saying, you know, if you don't ship a version, it kind of feels dead and, and things like that. When you look at the landscape of not just PowerShell, but other products, you see this, they're getting more stuff in our hands sooner and more rapidly. I mean, how do you feel about it? Does it take some of the shininess off of new product launches and new product releases for you or for their... Well, and their, just to be clear, like I'm not a normal person either, right? I'm the guy who's been part of the dancing bear ceremony, so I miss the parties. But... Uh, <laughs> but... I also recognize how expensive Big Bang deploys got. And that's the, for me, the bigger thing is these incremental changes that tend not to break anything and have no surprises. Like we just forget, hey, look, every single flipping time you close Chrome, pretty much, you get a new version of Chrome. You know, yeah. it's, it's actually really hard to stop that from happening. But. Because it's what we actually want. You, because these exchanges are relatively small, rarely do we run into an incident. And I hate to say it, but, you know, the one guy's team that seems to be struggling with this continuous update model seems to be the Windows team. Like, we, we yeah. 2018 was a tough year for updates to Windows 10. Well, yeah. And, I mean, I, we all remember, you know, the October, November kind of, you know, problems yeah. and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, 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 but I like to think about this going back. You can just go back five years. Sure. 
and and look at how how we expected updates five years ago, how we expected new versions five years ago, and the pain and suffering that we were affected by by not being able to solve problems or having bugs or having something that wasn't working or not having the technology access we needed for years. And now we get it in a couple of months, but we will always find something else to complain about, right? <laughs> That's just the nature of the beast. You know, now we're getting these solutions so fast and we're getting accustomed to the, the vision of an agile uh, deployment where, you know, they can add a small feature and it's okay. Everything's good. It didn't crash the whole system. Yeah. Everything's working great. And we're getting pampered by this, being able to get small features in, you know, rapidly. And then when there's a big release that says, well, we've taken all those small features and just wrapped them up into a new name. Everybody's kind of like, well, you guys have been doing such a great job that, and and by the way, nobody ever says that out loud, right? Yeah. You guys have been doing a great job, but that's really kind of what it is. They've been doing a great job. So even with the fiascos and the troubles and the problems. And Jason, I'm going to interrupt you for one moment here for this very important message. Windows Server and Active Directory go hand in hand, and so do Windows clients using group policy alongside Windows Server and Active Directory. What's the best way to get more Windows 10 management with group policy and your Windows 10 machines? With Policy Pack, of course. Policy Pack completely eliminates the need for local admin rights, manages Java and browsers. With Policy Pack and a few clicks, you're designing the perfect Windows 10 start menu, taskbar, file associations, and Windows features. Learn what hundreds of administrators already know. Policy Pack is the best way to get more from Active Directory and group policy to manage your Windows 10 machines. Go to policypack.com today and start your free trial. Policy Pack, securing your standards. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Jason Helmick. And we're talking about how Microsoft has IT'd themselves. I've done this on stage before, right? Because the problem with being IT is when you do your job perfectly, nobody can tell. You can never get an A. You can only get a C. And you can get an F. Right? Boy, I just don't like that scale at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sort but of the, it's true. the nature of the Big Bang approach was that you had a party. There was a celebration. There was a sense of an A, even if you didn't actually deploy it, right? It's like, hey, I'll wait for service pack one. Like, how long was that the mantra? But this seamless, continuous update, when it works... Works so well, you just don't even tell. You have no idea it's yeah. happening. And I mean, you and I go way back in, the, in all of this. And remember the guys that said, you know, I'll never, you know, they, they would hold out on service packs even. Sure. You know, I'm not Microsoft decide when they're going to update my stuff. And it's like, um, who would know better when to update their software yeah, than yeah. them? Um, and the guys would be resistant to all of that. Sure. And it was it was painful. And today we're not facing those same problems anymore. Sure, we're going to get an update that causes a problem. Yeah, yeah. no, it, you know, that's just going to happen. But if it doesn't crash the whole system or remove a service from operation, sure, it might kill a server, but I don't care about it killing a server. I care about it killing the entire service, right? Yeah. And if it doesn't do that, well, I, that's my job as IT is to get stuff updated, mainly for security reasons. <laughs> And then test it and make sure that it works. That's why I have a pipeline. And that's why nobody knows that I have a valuable job. Because if I'm doing it well, just like you said, I, they probably don't even know I'm employed. That doesn't make me feel real happy. But at the end of the day, when I get to go home and everybody else is still at work, 
yeah, it gets me to feel pretty happy about that. Yeah, no, totally. And, and yeah, <laughs> it's funny that we are falling into the same trap that we complain we're in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know as, as IT people, we're always frustrated with folks where they just don't notice that everything worked perfectly today. And that, and most days, they only care about the one day where everything went sideways. And then when Microsoft does it, we complain. Like we're, we are users too. And you know what's funny is this whole kind of conversation of the new way that Microsoft's doing everything, I think is, is kind of wrapped around, um, you know, like server 2019 and its excitement level. I, I, w- I was meaning to ask you, um, server 19 released. Uh, are you really excited? You know, it's, it seemed like such a soft release. They first talked about it at Ignite. Then there was the October crisis where I think they actually pulled the bits down. Right. Like it was hard to be excited about 2019 because it's like, when, when do I even look? Like for it's, I've been thinking about when to do shows about this for run as for a while because it just didn't feel ready. I'm doing it now. I think you're the literally the first one, Jason, where it's like, is it ready? Is it time? You know, Richard, that's, I find that fascinating that you have, see, I walked away from 2019 launch with, with two thoughts on my head. One was this old traditional thing that you and I go way back. So when there was, you know, when DOS 5 came out yeah. and it included Stacker, that was an amazing launch, right? Well, I'm still this old software guy that really enjoys operating system launches but that has no value anymore to the rest of the world, it seems. It's interesting you say that. So, well, there's this second side, though, that I have. Working so much in the cloud, I started asking questions because I started to get upset that I was the only one going, hey, anybody thinking about 2019? And everybody just kind (laughs) of looked at me like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And so I started, yeah, I started talking to a lot of my friends at work as both cloud architects and as admins just to see what their strategy was for 2019. And I found out that their strategy, they don't have one because they don't need one. Think about this. If you go into Azure or whatever your favorite cloud provider is, 2019 is just an app on the device to choose. Right. I mean, it literally looks like any other possible thing that you might choose if you're graphically going through Azure. So you just click on it and go. You weren't there to install 2019 anyways. You were there to install an app or a service or something else that you needed. And 2019 happened to be the thing that you clicked on. Well, from their perspective, they're saying to me, hey, look, when somebody sends in a request for a service that requires 2019, yeah, I'll flip the bit in the JSON file or I'll click the box. It'll go through our pipeline. We'll CICD it after testing. It'll either pop out at the end or it'll pop back with problems. It's just a thing we select and test like everything else we do. Yeah. And so they literally see it as an app in an app store. Not as a, and, as this foundational thing that operating systems have presented themselves as for so long time. Right. And that's you and I talked about DevOps about a year ago, and sure. we were talking about that the whole server skew concept really starts to not matter anymore when the only thing you care about is apps and services and getting those pumped out. Right. Yes, technically, the server does matter. But from our operations, it means a lot less. So I was talking to cloud guys, and I'm like, wait a minute, let me find more traditional IT guys. And I have a lot <laughs> of friends that still do traditional IT. Sure. And and by by that, by traditional, I guess they would define it as, we do maybe a little bit of cloud, but our business isn't cloud focused right now. Right. So we're still doing the, the on premises. Yeah. Of, yeah. 
He called it tra- and, it's just traditional or old fashioned. Like that seems okay. That's a spin. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I I try to I try to avoid the word old in anything anymore sure. since I'm getting there. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. You and me both, brother. But, you and me both. Yeah. So I was talking to some of these guys, and then I'm like, oh, well, what about 2019? Again, expecting this, the old days when you were an early adopter and you just had to try it. Yeah. And I'm getting the same kind of thing. Yeah, we're, we're trying it out, and there are some new features. Yeah, they, uh, they improve the security. Well, that's a surprise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they've, they've made some of the compute faster, and they've, they've integrated it so that it's easier to communicate with the cloud a little bit better. Yeah, none of this they care about. I right. mean, the security they do, but sure. at the end of the day, their answer was almost the same as the cloud guys. Tell me when somebody requests an app or a service that requires it, like Exchange 2019 or right. something like that, that's when they're going to put it in. But it, so it's and just criteria driven then for the service I need to provide it, if it demands this thing. You're almost describing Windows as a driver. Yep. So it, it's, yeah. this is an interesting transition because could it, this is not the only code that's gone like that. Like there used to be a time where you cared about the instruction set of a CPU, right? The different, you got the new CPU because it came with that new set of microcode that made a difference. Right. Nobody's thought about microcode forever. You used to uh, care about yeah. networking stacks. Now it's only TCP IP. I don't really think about anything else. Has have operating yeah. systems transcended into this place where the only it's just expected to work? It's reliability above all things. Well, you know, I thought that's what the point to the cloud was. It's supposed <laughs> to get rid of all of these. Right. I mean, let's face it. When's the, when's the last time any of us had a a, a valuable conversation about NetBuoy? I mean, yeah. there, there there's <laughs> no value to that protocol, right? So yes. Um, and and the conversations that we used to have about TCP IP and about the instruction set and mm-hmm. the extra compute performance I can get out of this new processor, that's not important anymore because no. the performance I'm getting now is scaled out to the cloud. I don't think about any of that, right. nor would I. So yeah. the, one of the things that gets me about traditional IT is that, yeah, they're driven by the service is, is what they're saying, but then they're saying the other thing that really makes sense to me, which is, then we're going to upgrade to 2019 like we upgrade to every version, which right. means they're four or five years away. Interesting. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they don't care whether there's a bug today because there won't be a bug by the time they put it up, right? It took them forever to get to 2012. They finally got there. Maybe they've got some stuff on 2016. That 2019 is not in their vision. And you know what? I'm proud of Microsoft releasing it even if it's not in, in, in traditional IT's vision or anybody else's vision, because we need it and we need it going forward and it needs to have some dog fooding done to it and, and to get some air time on it. How much so pressure do you think forward? the end of support lifespans are? Like 2008 ends next year. Yeah. So I got to think that's weighing on people's minds. It's like, I got to get hang up. 2008. Well, you know, and that's, I think that goes back to where traditional IT has a tendency to do the right thing in the right time. And then there are people who get caught behind that, they, they, the timing where they didn't get all of their servers because there wasn't a push to get those particular servers up. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of mean things we could say about people that, that wait that long, you yeah. know, how terrible they are to their company because they're, 
you know, risking all of the security to their company by not being up on the latest and greatest. And all of that's true. But at the same time, we've been there. We know how hard that can be. And sometimes companies move slower. So it's just it's just one of those things that, yeah, they'll be behind the eight ball, but they'll have to do what we've done for the last 20 years, which is catch up real quick. Well, and more (laughs) often than not, like Microsoft just bumped out 2012 support, right? It's now out to 2023. Like they, yeah. Microsoft does move the needle occasionally. I think the stability you get by being slow to upgrade is a non-trivial benefit too. It's just that it's a C benefit, not an A benefit. And nobody notices that the machines never broke because you left them alone. Right, right. And I think that's the, the part of the crux of the problem that that Microsoft faces. And and I'm one of those people that you know we can all sit around in our lazy boys and relax and. And beat the daylights out of Microsoft. Right. And we should. That's yeah. how we find problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, it but, does make them better, it seems. Yeah. But at the same time, we do need to kind of realize that Microsoft is really pampering us. They're starting to get us updates that we don't even know come in half the time. Mm-hmm. And they're not killing us. They're, they're giving us versions. Is anybody going to say at least in the server line, let's say with servers and with things like Exchange and SharePoint and SQL, every version that comes out is better than the last version. There was no, this thing is so terrible, we can't use it. In fact, they've come out with versions of stuff like Nano that we don't want to let go of that we love so much. Even when they dialed back support on them. Even when they dial back support. So Microsoft is kind of, because of this agile approach, has pampered us. Traditional IT guys, one of the comments that I got back from a guy is, I'm in no rush. We've got some 2016 servers, and we got a lot of the features already that 2019 has because they rolled it up into ours. Right. Okay, that's a benefit. They're pampering us. That's a good thing. So, you know, I, I think if Microsoft keeps down that, 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 you know, they have to support the fast moving companies that are more cloud based, that yeah. are, are trying to be more agile. So they've got to have a server platform that's strong and secured and that's up to date. At the same time, they know that traditional IT is going to be slower behind this curve. Those numbers and how long it takes to adopt haven't really changed in 20 years. So it's going to be the, the same slow march and they need to support both sides. And that's got to be a really tough thing for them to do. It's really got to be hard to figure that kind of stuff out. So, you know, I, I giving them a little bit of patience and realizing what good work they've done. And I, I as someone who has, has been very grateful to have the opportunity to talk to team members from different teams, these people care just as much as you do. Sure. If they get it right. Yeah. So maybe and maybe so more. Too. I mean, I would argue yeah. there's an interesting dynamic here where, you know, the folks that work on Windows Server care a lot about Windows Server, arguably more than most of their customers care about it. Because in the end, you know, our business is not actually server. It's the services that run on it, which is part of why we're getting more indifferent and less tolerant to any kind of problem. Because our attention's simply not on it. We just expect it to work. Yeah, you know what? I'd be really interested in over time trying to, you know, figure out why it is that we think that everything's got to be perfect now. What What is it that's teaching us that we think that everything has to be perfect? But at the same time, I agree that we should demand for better perfection. Just yes. don't shoot the people that are trying to work so hard <laughs> well, at doing it. Kind, kindness goes a long way. No two ways about it, for that for sure. But I think one of the differences right now, when we, especially specifically talking about operating systems, 
is that it's pushing down into the layer of strata where reliability is everything. I have a different set of problems to focus on. You know, I'm higher up the stack now looking at app performance and utilization and those sorts of things. And in the same way that I don't think about how cloud infrastructure works, I just expect it to do so. And how networking works, I just expect it to do so. I'm looking at a higher level and I feel like the the OS is in transition. I I would absolutely I absolutely agree with that and I would I would um um kind of add in on that thought an idea that you know while the operating system is in transition while there's so many things that we no longer think about or have to think about that's a really good thing there's only so much we can pay attention to so in scale today, whether I'm cloud or non-cloud, I have to update servers. I have to yep. update services. Mm-hmm. But in the old days, I had to plan and pray and just test my brains out in hopes that when I installed that service pack on an exchange box, I didn't lose all my email. The cloud and better strategies, especially high availability strategies, mean that We don't have those thoughts anymore. We've got high availability to the point to where I'm going to update the server. If it dies, it dies. I don't care because another one's going to spin up right behind it. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's good not to have those problems. So we can focus now on the things that when you ask an IT guy, have you done any performance analysis of how this service is working with your customers? The answer is, well, no, (laughs) because I've got so many other things to do. And the phone isn't ringing. Yeah, exactly. So now we can focus on those things that make a big difference in the agility of the business, in the performance for our customers, in the reliability for our customers, and focus on those things that we've ignored in the past because we don't have to have all of the fires anymore grabbing our attention so much. So I got to ask you, as we're coming down to the end of the time here, Jason, the name of the show is, Is It Time for Server 2019? What's your opinion? My opinion is, yes, I am very excited about 2019. And the reason I'm excited is for the the, the conversation we were just having. Microsoft is pampering us. They didn't give us a bad product. They gave us a much better product. Now, you may already have parts of it with 2016, but 2019 is an improvement. It is going to have better security. It is going to have better cloud integration. They have worked on its compute performance, even though it's pretty much the same. They have integrated Linux VMs better. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, whatever feature they've added that makes you happy, it'll make you happy. But overall, Microsoft is continuing to show that they have a strong strategic way of handling this going forward. In other words, they're going to keep pampering us. They're going to keep making it easy. And one of the things is, The version number may not excite you that there was a release, but the fact that it exists should excite you because the company keeps driving down these paths to make our networking and our lives at least a little bit easier in a lot of ways. So I think it's time to get involved with 2019, whether you're cloud or traditional, it's time to start testing it because you know you're going to need it soon with whatever products you're using that may require it. It's worth focusing on now. Love it. Jason Helmick, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. 